If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.
what we tell each other every day. At Joy News, we tell your story. You have a story the world should know about? Tell it to Joy News. We are your home of bold, credible, and fearless journalism. I am MFA Apau.
Now come say we all day my time inside we all day suffer. Something they cause me, they cause you, they cause your son and daughter. Where we all feel come together and try to sort each other. Then you go turn around and sell out just because of dollar. Manjas, they think how fast he go fetch up something today. Forget about him, people make them find them our own way. Forgetting, say the same people put on for way day. He cast too high to see suffering below, he's too far away. Them get eyes, but them know they see. Them get heart, but them know they feel. Some too they can't mind, but them know they think. That'll be why we all day inside a boat where we they sink. I say them get eyes, but them know they see. Them get heart, but them know they feel. Some too they get mind, but them know they think. They know they see nonsense Ice cold heart They know they feel nonsense Bad minds All they know they think about That'll be why we all day inside the boat Where we didn't sink I sing Myopia They know they see nonsense Ice cold heart they feel nonsense Bad minds All they know They think about you That'd be why we all day Inside the boat Where we did sink Was he waiting to be sacked? Anyway, what about the future? The GFA has announced that even the uh, entire backroom staff or technical staff uh, has been dissolved. In other words, they're now putting together a roadmap uh, on the future of the Black Stars. What should that future look like? Where should we be looking? In uh, what direction should we be looking in our attempt to find a replacement? For Chris Hughesing. Then there's also the big issue of who takes responsibility on the FA side. Because there are people that say just sucking the manager is only 5% of the solution. What about everything else that has contributed to our systematic failure? Who is dissolving the dissolver? Okay, the GFA say they've dissolved the technical team. But who is dissolving the dissolver? Or in other words, who is taking responsibility at the GFA? And what are the consequences for supervising now back-to-back -back Afcon embarrassment? 
someone at the GFA should be taking responsibility and be stepping down. Why isn't that happening? It's a question we will ask here on the show. Elsewhere at the afternoon, of course, the shocks just keep on rolling on. This is turning out to be probably the best AFCON ever. Somebody said this AFCON is the Obianyobia AFCON. It doesn't matter your pedigree. If you're not good, the actual football will expose you. And Algeria found that out yesterday. They have been kicked out of the competition by Mauritania. And Mauritania uh, beat them by one goal to nail. And it was their first ever win at the AFCON. And they somehow ended up kicking Algeria out of the tournament. They finished bottom of their group uh, with just the two points from their first two draws. And there is, of course, consequences for that. Head coach Jamal Belmadi reports out that he's stepping down from his role uh, after such a long time. He led them to have convicted in 2019, but they've now suffered back-to-back exits in the group stages of the AFCON. So we'll look back at the action from yesterday as well. There were some, so many other games, dramatic action in the game between Cameroon and Guinea. Uh, we'll talk about the Gambia, I beg your pardon, we'll talk about that, which also resulted in the Gambia coach, Tom Seinfeld, deciding he's seen enough in the smiling coast. And now he's smiling his way out of the Gambia. The show is live and interactive and is sponsored, of course, by MTN. MTN everywhere you go. We'll take a really, really short break. When we come back, I will introduce my guest and we can zoom straight into the action. You're watching AFCON today, uh, of course, on the Joy News channel. And 
on the Joy Prime channel. You're also listening to us on 99.7 Joy FM. My name is Fentu Tahu. Fentu, welcome to the show. Achu Tamaklu and, of course, Kojo Jima are here with me, guys. How are you doing? Very well. Very well, huh? Yeah, Yesterday, we from... spoke about Chris Hutting. Yeah. Uh, you said the entire technical team had to be dissolved. You got your wish. Now what? <laughs> well, <laughs> you got your wish. Now, I actually got a lot of wishes. So, first wish is granted. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest wish that if you speak to every Ghanaian on the street of Ghana, you know, it doesn't matter wherever town or city you talk to anyone. Um, the, D the GFA has a big, big, big problem. Mm. There has to be a total revolution in the GFA because, I mean, we both know it, everyone knows it. And you ask five Ghanaians, five out of five, everyone is going to talk about Mr. Kento Kweku. Well, the reason why he was given the mandate, obviously, was to build Ghana football. We know the numbers. The stats don't lie. Uh, Ghana football has declined to the highest. So I don't get it if you get rid of the manager yeah. and you stay in affairs. The reason why you were given the mandate was to transform Ghana football to the next level, to bring us up, up again. One of the promises he gave Ghanaians was that he was going to market the team very, you know, very well and then bring that whole new phase of Ghana football. As we speak now, I don't think we've seen a quarter of what he said. And so for me, Mr. Kato Kwekumante needs to step down. He needs to do the honourable thing. We're he, the GFA president has to step down. He absolutely has no business in that wow. office. It's not the first time, to yes. be fair, uh, that an FA president has resigned because of a foreshowing of the country's national team. It's an example that abounds all around the world. Actually, isn't, that, isn't that correct? It is. Um, I think the most recent on the continent will be some five years ago. Egypt's, uh, the president did not go alone. The entire executive council, they... they in, in good conscience of the circumstance and their inability to deliver success, all felt responsible and they took responsibility. They resigned and walked away. But we also have to be realistic enough to admit the reality of our situation. Chetokweku does not feel accountable to Ghanaians. The Executive Council, same. They, they don't believe in such principles as assuming responsibility, and my guess is this, if you speak to any of them, they would, it will be difficult for them to admit their role in the mess that we're in. Yeah. And so these are the kind of people that, that we're dealing with. Under normal circumstances, yes, I'll call for their resignation. Under normal circumstances, you would expect that... They probably it, should have left before. Long before, before, yes. By now, you should have had a statement from the GFA admitting the severity of our situation, and, and not just the... I have spoken consistently. They haven't even apologized no. for the poor no. showing. I have spoken it's consistently. It's like business as usual. Yep. Nobody has You remember the, the interview on Asempa two years ago after the AFCON when Kizokuriku, dead Ghanaians, and essentially arrogantly said, if there are Messi's and Ronaldo's el elsewhere, point me in the direction and, and we'll bring them into the team. But he is... That's so the way sort of we didn't have players. And the best is what we presented. Exactly. If, if this was a country where we do things right. If the guys in charge run with sound management principles, with very progressive ideas, what would have happened is that in this moment you would see an admission of culpability. You would also see they pointing out what they believe to be wrong. Mm -hmm. They may not be right 
all the time about what has led us here. But you will see an attempt to admit and a certain realization of the things, the mistakes that have led us here. More importantly, you will see the solution. So perhaps after this, you will then see them roll out policies, have a consultation with the government, show them their plan for youth football development. And that bit is important because without a solid base, the Black Stars will not be competitive. It is not a coincidence that in, since 2015, when our youth football has not plateaued, but has taken a nosedive, mm -hmm. the fortunes of the Black Stars have been the same. Mm. So the two work and walk hand in hand. And it is my suggestion that, look, if we want to make any, any kind of progress, we have to admit that our football is dead. It is not dying. It and is then reboot. Start and from the basics. Start from the basics and look at how you can ensure that you are influencing the talent developments at a very early age to the extent that when you watch the that matches, you are in control. Exactly. And not leaving anything to chance. Not leaving anything. Well, it's scientific. Exactly. I mean, it, these are products, right? If you are not adding value to the talents that God has blessed you with, you will not be competitive on the market because others wow. are doing that. Just to conclude, yesterday, I saw the next batch of the youth teams that have been invited to Prom Prom for the Black Satellites. And the question I asked myself was this. What happened to the team that... Lycanston led to Serbia that won that tournament then only a year ago. Why have we discarded that team and now the Stalets team? Because by now, the bulk of that team should be promoted. Yes, they should be 18 years, olds 19 years. olds so They should be playing in the Africa game. In, in the Black Satellites team, why have we discarded that team and in the last three or four months have invited over 200 players to the Black Satellites camp? So That's such, the team we are preparing for the Africa for the, So that kind of disconnects the lack of continuity. It seems a little haphazard to me. You cannot do that. When you do that, the end product is that you will not be able to promote even one player from any of those teams into the Black Star. So you will and pick... There's also a suspicion that a lot of the players named in the squad play or belong to clubs owned by the people. It is, it is not a suspicion. It is a matter of fact. Because the clubs we know, we see a number of them in the team. Where they come from? It's a proportionate number. These days, you're seeing teams like Benab gained a lot of prominence since 2019, Bernab FC, um, Golden Kicks. You're seeing... Um, Wait, still is, that, team, that team belongs to Bernab Oil? <laughs> Maybe? Okay. Um, very well. We will talk about what to do next. The GFA said that they will, in the coming days, release a roadmap for the future of the Black Stars. What exactly they intend to do, we all don't know. What we know for sure is that they've gotten rid of Chris Uting and his entire backroom staff. And you might not believe that Chris Hutting is the problem, but Chris Hutting was a problem, okay? And this is why. Uh, in the 30 matches that he's taking over, uh, that he's taking charge of in the Black Stars team, Chris Hutting has played 13 matches, as you can see. He's won four of those games. Uh, he's drawn five of them, and four of them have ended in defeat. Chris Hilton has a win rate of 32%. That is the lowest win rate of all the coaches Kedo Kroku has hired. And we will show the comparative graphics and tell you what the win rate was like for Siki Akono, what the win rate was like for Milovan Rahivaj, what the win rate was like 
under Otoado and what it's like under Chris Hutin. In that period, Chris Hutin has scored, or his team has scored 13 goals, and they have conceded 16. This is a Black Stars team that in the past was a dominant force. They score a lot of goals. Never one time where the Black Stars have had a goal difference, a negative goal difference. That is our reality now. Yeah. That the manager has taken charge of 13 matches. And in that period, the Black Stars have a negative goal difference of minus three. We kept only four clean sheets in 13 matches. In other words, in nine of those games, we have watched our team concede goals. And they shipped in 16 goals in just 13 matches. That's just how bad it was. Yeah. Now, for recency's sake, I'm going to take you to the AFCON and tell you about the three games that Chris Hutin played at the AFCON. And tell you just before you progress, yes. In fairness to Chris Hutin, I think they were mitigating circumstances. And, and that's where I would say the main issue with Chris Hutin was that while he was not the problem, he could not provide the solutions that which reason he was signed, he was hired. Mm-hmm. Right. If you take your mind back to every AFCON that Ghana have participated in in the modern era, the GFA has always hired auxiliary technical staff for the Black Stars coach. Uh, Herod News comes to mind. Jamie Jackson, or is it Lawrence Jackson? His name readily comes to mind. Often, um, one of the men who could succeed Chris Hutton, heavy or not, comes to mind. He was a physical instructor in 2008. But for whatever reason... Hutton has all those people. He has he, a video analyst. Before the tournament. I'm saying, physical trainer. He has everything. I'm saying that before major tournaments, the FA always hires supplementary technical staff. I think it's probably also because in the past we didn't have them as standard members of the technical team. Now we do. They have a permanent video analyst. They have a permanent physical trainer. All of them are permanent staff now. I'm saying that we have had them in the past. But the FA has gone out of its way to always find another layer of support for them. And I've given you examples, right? That happened. There's also the small matter of the whole disconnect between himself and the FA. Look, it is whatever we say about Chris Hutton and his shortfalls and his mistakes, and there were a lot of them. And I'm not saying this to justify his mistakes. He is responsible for I'm his... So, I'm still trying to understand how... I'm telling you that... ...for the negative goal difference and the rate of 31 It doesn't. I'm just telling you that there were things that also made it very difficult for any other manager in Chris Hudson's position. Very well. I think right. we established that because, yeah. like I said in my intro, I said while Chris Hudson was not the problem, he was a problem. And I think you just said exactly the same thing. Um... Now, at the AFCON against Kivad, we lost by two goals to one. We created three chances in the game. We had one shot on target in 19 minutes, which was the goal. We were outpossessed. Kivad possessed or had possessed us by 53 to 47. We had less of the ball against Kivad. Our XG was 1.74. We were expected to score 1.7 goals based on the big chances that we created. We managed to score one. We underperformed our XG. Kevin 
out possessed Ghana and limited us to one shot on target in the whole match and then beat us. In the game against Egypt, we drew two all. Big chances created zero. But we scored two goals. You know why we scored two goals? Because those two goals were not chances. They were converted into goals by the individual brilliance of Mohamed Kudus. We had three shots on target, and he had two of them, which, of course, he scored. In terms of goals we were supposed to score based on the quality of chances we created, we were not supposed to even score half a goal. It was 0.31 XG against Egypt. That's how bad it was. And then against Mozambique, we drew two all. We created two big chances. Again, Egypt outpossessed us. Remember that. 42% possession was what we got. Egypt had uh, 58%. Against Mozambique, we had only 39% of the ball. 39. Mozambique has 61% of the possession. And we have four shots on target with an XG of 1.79. So, when Chris Hutton says at his post-match press conference that in terms of his own output and putting the team in a position where they could win games, he feels he has failed, that I agree with him completely. He has failed, and not just failed, he failed spectacularly. Because these three games at the AFCON, the opponents played better than us in all three matches. We didn't deserve to win a single one of those matches based on our performance. We didn't create enough chances. And we conceded six goals in three games. We couldn't... So we are sitting back and we still couldn't contain the opposition from scoring. So what exactly was the coach's job? What did he do at his AFCON? So, Chris Hilton, and actually is 100% right, that yes, he had issues, and the team had major issues, even before he came in. But since he came in, the Blasters have taken a step back. And numbers don't lie. Chris Hilton is the worst performing Blackstars coach we've had in the last 10 years. And if you're limited to only the coaches that the GFA, this current GFA administration has hired, Chris Hilton is the worst of the four of them. And I'll take you through that comparative graphic. They came into power in 2019, and they started by firing, uh, of course, Chris uh, Apia, uh, who had taken us to the AFCON uh, in June 2019 in Egypt. And then by October, the elections were held. Ket and his people came into power. And then they fired Kwesi Alpia, and then they hired C.K. Akono. C.K. Akono supervised 10 matches. He won four of them, lost four of them, and then two of them ended in draws. So C.K. Akono had a win rate of 40%. He won 40% of the matches he played. We fired him after 10 games and brought on Milovan Rajivac. You remember that famous press conference? Eto Koku said he likes his Milo. He likes Milo. <laughs> no more Matra Makwe. He said no more Matra Makwe. And mm. direct dig at T.K. Akono. In other words, claiming that Akono 
was an experimental coach. And now they've gone for an experienced hand that they believed would do the job. He lasted eight matches, 11 Rahivaj, in his second term. He lost three games. He won only three, and he drew three, uh, two of them. He had a win rate of 38%. He was fired after the AFCON in 2022. We owe CK Akono. We still owe Milovan Rahivac as well. So all these decisions are coming at a cost to you, the taxpayer. To you and I. We haven't finished paying CK's compensation. We have not finished paying Milovan Rahivac's compensation. We brought in Otto Adu first as an interim coach, and then we made him, gave him a one-year contract extension so he could take us to the World Cup. He supervised 12 matches. He lost four. He won five. Then we drew three. He had a win rate of 42%. 42%. So, CK Akono, 40% win rate. Milovarayvash, 38%. Otoado, 42%. And Chris Huting, 31%. So, Huting has the lowest win rate of all the managers this administration has hired. And also take notice, Kojo, 10 games for CK, 8 games for Milo, 12 games for Otoado, 13 matches for Chris Hutin. Exactly an average. It works out to an average of 10 matches. So the lifespan for a Black Stars coach mm. is 10 games. Absolutely. Um, we that we have to look at we have to look at uh, the structure. You know, um, one of the biggest problems that we we're having now as a, as a country in terms of the FA is because there's no formal blueprint of what manager comes in. We're getting a lot of all these managers come in, and they play their own tactics. You know, it, there has to be a formal structure that the Black Stars and the national teams. Yeah. The youth teams are developed through. So basically, we as a country, we know we generate a lot of midfielders. We know what, where do we lack. Do we want to generate right-backs, left-backs, defenders? Where is our side of weakness that we want to develop? All these managers come in, they decide to play any form of tactics they want to play. You cannot go to Brazil and decide to play a 4 5 one you cannot go to the UK and decide to play any kind of system except you stick to their 4-3-3 or 4-4-2. Why? Because the players are more adjustable to these type of systems. So if we talk about these managers per average 10 games, they last 10 games, and they, they win free and they lose free and they draw free and they draw two, it's only because as a country we have failed in terms of the FA has no plan. What we keep doing is we keep hiring big names coming. I'm wondering who hired Utuado. Utuado has never been a coach. He was a, he was a scout. And yet, and he, he had the best win rate. Because we went to the World Cup. And so, you know, the and World Cup... And we won Cup, only one game in the World Cup. One game there, exactly. And he, yeah, we won the big game against Nigeria in... in well, those Nabuja. were two draws, but yeah, sure, we exactly. qualified. <laughs> well, fair enough. But that's what I'm saying. All these things that we keep talking about is what is letting Ghana down. We keep scratching the surface. Again... We need to go back to the basics. Before we hire the next manager, the FA, whoever remains as the FA president, should have a blueprint. 
what is the way we want to play as a country? Because we, we need to remodel our players based on a system that's suitable for our players. What we're doing now, you see the system Chris Hutton was playing. His favorite system has always been 4-2-3-1. It's not just Ghana. He's been playing this in the Premiership. Who plays 4-2-3-1 now? I bet you none of teams play 4 2 3 Georgia has abandoned it. Do you know what I'm saying? The so biggest, you, there you go. Yeah, if you have him Georgia there, went from 4-3-3 to 4-2-3-1. He's just, everybody's evolving. Everybody's doing it now. And, and he keeps doing the same thing. So when Ashmiri goes off, he goes back to his mental state in terms of how he still wants to approach the game very pragmatically. And he puts in two people when he doesn't even need. He, and I ask myself, how then do we play Semenyo as a striker for Ghana? It's very abysmal. Look, Semenyo has not been a goal poacher. We need a goal poacher. You watch the structures. You watch the system. I know there's a big, huge problem with the FA. But as a coach, I think he lacks oh, he a, lot of, a lot of um, misunderstanding about the team, the quality of the players, and his approach to games. And in-game management, all of it cuts through. So he deserved to go. So he deserved to go. But going forward, we have to go back, like we, we keep saying. The FA needs a blueprint. If Ghana wants to play a 4-4-2, of course, if a manager comes, he can do a variation of a 4-4-2 into a 4-1-4-1. But it should be in a system that's quite suitable so that we, we, we ingrain these principles in the youth teams so that it becomes more easier in transferring players through the process and bringing them up. Because at the moment, it's a big disparity. And it's very shambolic. And I wonder if Katakuriku should be still the president today. He's still the president. Actually, let's look ahead now. Uh, I think uh, we all agree that um, the coach had to go. He's gone. I'm very surprised he didn't quit by himself. I'm not sure what he was waiting for, uh, whether compensation or he was waiting for some miracle or I don't know, man. Uh, the GFA statement said that in the coming days, they'll put together a roadmap on the future of the Black Stars from where you sit. What should be in that roadmap? What should we be doing before we appoint that next coach? I, I don't trust the people who are going to put together the roadmap. If... <laughs> 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 so what? We should just I don't, throw our arms in the air I don't and trust give them. up? They have failed in five years. They are not going to suddenly crack the code now. I don't trust them. Actually, there are question marks around their judgment. Giving the mm. kind of coaches they've hired and the results. You can tell out. me that. The results get worse, they, they hire the aim for the coaches. Yeah. With each appointment, a trigger happy. <laughs> Look, our, oh, our best bet at salvation of any kind will be government intervention. And, and more importantly, government involvement. And I'm, it is government's job to develop sports in this country. True. It is government's job to provide the infrastructure and the framework for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And I would go as far as saying that given the size of the country and our limited resources, I think it will be government's job, and even the, f the size of the football ecosystem, it is government's job to educate the resource persons who will develop talents and even run the sports in this country, or at least facilitate the education of those. And the issue at hand lies squarely within the remit 
of government. So long as you take a CD from the consolidated fund to go and train the black metiers, yeah. the black maidens, it is your job to ensure that the people who are going to train those players will impact the best knowledge possible. That the circumstances or the conditions under which they are training are world class okay. will not, in the end, create an imbalance so that no matter how much money you pump in there, it will not make any difference. What has to happen, and indulge me on this for a bit, is for the government to realize that beyond um, littering the country with these youth and resource centers and the facilities that they are renovating, they need a plan, yeah. right? The bulk of these facilities that have been built are not even accessible. So if a kid wanted to play football, which playground will they have to go to to go and play there? So we need to find a way to connect the infrastructure that we are putting there to talent development, to talent development yeah. and education. In this moment, if you wanted to look at where the various districts, the clubs at the various districts want to train, say maybe a quality facility where they can access maybe for a fee and have some world-class tutors there imparting knowledge to them, you won't have any in this country. Look, what Right to Dream are doing, um, is it Mr. Susoko, the former Liverpool player, who is now an instructor there, yeah. Michaelisian, is that uh, Norgeland? That is the way to go. Mm -hmm. The, excuse my language. <laughs> okay. The, the, the concepts, the, yeah, I'm being careful. The concepts that someone who studied sports science or physical education and has a degree in that can teach how to pass the ball is, is far outdated. The principles of the game have evolved. Look, and, and I was listening to and for the uninitiated, you will still be fixated with taxes and all of those things. But coach knows that the game has moved past those principles. Sorry. These days, the complexities lie with positioning, spatial awareness, creating space. Space is the most important thing in the game. Of course. How they can stretch teams, create space. If the teams that are able to you, control... How do you take a shot? How do you make an assess if you don't have enough space? And teams are able to manipulate spaces, not necessarily because they have the best tactics, but they are able to coach games, manage games, and they have trained players to be able to think and react to real-time in-game scenarios. Yeah. That is something we don't have in Ghana. Look, within the next couple of weeks... don't have the education. Within the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear names like Prosper Natiogu. These are not world-class coaches. We need world-class coaches to coach the Black Stars. And, Oogum, and all of this. You mentioned a key thing. We also even need world-class coaches at youth level. So that was why I mentioned the right to dream example. Yeah. So the people, so that the next time, some of your best talents you have produced in a decade will not be told that they are not good enough because they don't have the basics. And that is the situation of Adolf Fatawi Saku and Daniel Efriyebanie. Fatawi Saku has been lucky. He had a year. Someone took a chance on him, and now things are working out for him. And we're beginning to see him play in a way that is leave, has left all of us saying, maybe we misprofile this guy. But this kid went through the Ghanaian education system, primary, JSS, started playing, I don't know if he played coach football, but lower-tier football. Mm -hmm. In all of our minds, Fatawi Saku is a number 10. But we're seeing him play at wing-back to devastating effects. Or he's seen him play 
on the right side, as an inside forward, as a right winger. If various coaches at Steadfast, Dreams FC, our under-15, under-17, under-20, from private to national team coaches, nobody was able to identify the problem with this kid, then we have a problem. And so the government needs to realize that beyond the infrastructure that they are to, trying to roll out, find a way of connecting that to talent education. Have a plan for talent education. Have a plan for training instructors at the basic level so that in each district, you know that we have this number of people teaching kids football. Right, so that after two or three years, we know from this pool, we are choosing these guys to form a, a regional team. And then the best of those can form a national team. This whole, and there's no other way to put it, this whole concept that 200 players, four batches of 50, have to go to Pram Pram to go and train for and do a justify. week. Justify for a week. And then the coach, it is rubbish. That concept is gone. It's gone. Actually, you know, just, just let me finish. Yeah. So we need to find a more scientific approach to this. Look, we've been playing games about the sports, sports bill and the funding components. If you have a plan, if you have a policy that is holistic, that is clear and unambiguous, you know at each stage what your objectives are, what it will cost for you to realize those objectives, right? Mm -hmm. Within what time frame? And based on that, you are able to speak properly to the conversation of the sports fund and then say, this is how much we need annually. Not just money to pay compensations and salaries and co, but based on the projects that we're embarking on, this is how much we, we will need. And so we need to raise this much. And these are the avenues of revenue generation. We cannot continue running football in this country the way Throwing we... Throwing money at no, the blaster. It's, it's a complete waste. Look, we just yes. published the stories of how much it costs Ghana. It did. For the exactly. qualifiers. Exactly. We spent $1.5 million in qualifying to this particular AFCON tournament. We haven't added how much we spent at the actual AFCON tournament. Meanwhile, judging from what we spent at the last AFCON in Cameroon, which was 2.5 million, if, let's say, Citeris Paribus, we spent the same amount of money at this particular AFCON, then it means that we spent $4 million just for going to, uh, just to go to Cote d'Ivoire and embarrass and disgrace ourselves. But that's not uh, even possible because this time we sent more funds. There you go. To Cote and then gave everybody $400 yeah. as well. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the AFCON, even if you go to the quarterfinal stage, you get $1.3 million. We spent $4 million uh, going and getting a barrage and then exiting at the group stages. And this is what we do all the time. We don't invest in the preparation. We don't invest in the... Uh, in, in, in anything at all, and we don't add value to the people, but when the tournament comes around, we go and spend too much money and make lofty, hefty promises. Africa Games is coming. Okay? We sent athletes to camp in Cape Coast only last weekend, 40 days to the Africa Games. All right? The, the Ghana Olympic Committee says they need $50,000 just to prepare athletes for the Africa Games, which we are hosting. Okay. The Minister of Youth and Sports says they don't have $50,000, but they were ready to pay over $30,000 to each player if they made it out of the group stages at, at, at the AFCON. What is wrong with us? And $60,000 to each member of the coaching staff. Yes, each coaching staff member would have taken $60,000. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? Meanwhile, the Africa Games, which we are hosting, we have gone to set a lofty target for our athletes. 
that we want to finish in the top five of, uh, on the medal table. You know what it takes to finish in the top five in the medal table at the Africa Games? You need to win at least 100 medals. In fact, Egypt, who topped the medal table the last time out, got 259 medals. You want to put a bet on, a guess on how many medals we got at the Africa Games the last time around? 13. Which means, in order for us to get uh, 100 medals and possibly finish in that top five, we need to make a swing of 87 more medals. We, we have no plan in place for that swing to win 87 more medals and yet uh, wait for the games to come around then we'll go and promise the people that we'll pay everybody $10,000 if you win a gold medal. You have not invested in the preparation and you've gone to, to promise that you would give people a certain amount of money if they win gold medal. You wait for it. It will happen. They will go and promise that they will give them $10,000 if you win a gold medal. Knowing full well that they will not win the gold medal because they know they didn't invest in people's preparations. What is wrong with us? That? that is wickedness. Speaking of wickedness, Mauritania are very wicked. <laughs> Yesterday, they kicked out uh, tournament favorites, or one of the tournament favorites, 2019 champions Algeria. They won by one goal to nil. Senegal obviously Why? topped the group with their 2 0 win. Why do we still refer to Algeria as pre tournament favorites for this one? Especially. After well, they the assumption them. was they learned their lesson from the last time. After how they qualified for this tournament? Yeah, ah, well. Uh, they finished on the same point as... Uh, there was another team in their group that gave them a really Controversially, tough Controversially, the final game, I think, in September against uh, Uganda. Yes. A very dodgy goal awarded them. And that was why Mitchell Sridovic, the Ugandan coach, spoke in very strong terms yesterday after Algeria's um, elimination was confirmed. But... Amir Abdu, the Mauritanian coach, Ghanaian fans would remember him. Against Comoros in Cameroon, mm. he led them to be the Black Stars by three goals to two. And last night again, Mauritania's very first win at the AFCON over Algeria. It's a giant slayer, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Angola also beat Burkina Faso 2-0, but both teams have progressed to the knockout rounds. Yeah. Uh, the Gambia lost to Cameroon. It was a dramatic game. We'll show you the highlights of that game very shortly. Uh, by three goals to two, Cameroon needed to score very, very late. But Senegal, the only team to qualify to the knockout rounds with a 100% record, they won all three matches, nine points out of nine, yep. three wins out of three. Yep. And they look set, they look like they could possibly become the first country to defend their title since Egypt's uh, three peaks, yep. uh, 206, 208, and 2010. Yep. Karima has been looking at how that could possibly happen. And uh, where is Karim? Please come, come over here. Eesh. And just show us quick. <laughs> he has uh, to make a, what he's been he has to make a 90 <laughs> degree act. <laughs> How are you, my brother? You know, uh, Senegal, what's going on? What have we got for us? Because they look very impressive indeed at this half court. Yes, they are deadly. <laughs> <laughs> I was in <laughs> here yesterday because of the Black Stars. Yeah. No Wahala. No, mm. no Wahala. Okay, let's get on with it then. We are creeping, and Senegal are looking like a well-oiled machine, mm. attempting to do something no defending champion has done since 2010. That is Egypt winning the title three times. So I'm looking at them qualifying to the knockout stages as the only team winning all their three games, becoming the second team with the highest number of goals, three, and becoming just one of four teams to, be, uh, to concede just one goal. 
and looking at their run, Opta has predicted that they are the favorites ahead of this tournament. What I'm going to look at is the last six winners and how they, they perform in the next tournament after winning the title. So let's start with Egypt and they ran in 2012. After winning the three titles, they didn't qualify for the 2012 tournament and the 2013 on yeah. back to back. So what happened and they didn't qualify? They finished bottom of the qualifying group. <laughs> a, a group that has Niger, uh, Burkina Faso and Sierra Leone. But still they finished bottom. What happened? In 20, around that 2010, 2013, their league was suspended. And we know that they heavily depend on their league for their oh, national yes. team. Because of some stadium disaster that saw about 74 people die. Yeah. Then in 2013, Zambia shocked everyone and won it in 2012. And in the qualified again in 2013 but exited at the group stage if it was now in that 2013 they could have possibly been progressing as one of the third best place teams because they drew all their group matches and were third with three points mm. they were in that group with nigeria who also won the 2013 tournament but and curiously 2015 yes and we're supposed to come to 2015 <laughs> as defending champions yes but curiously they didn't they didn't qualify what happened in the final game of qualifying, they had the opportunity of qualifying as one of third base uh, place teams because there were seven groups mm -hmm. with two um, teams qualifying as a yes, and the third best finisher qualifying. They needed a win to qualify ahead of DRC, but they said no. We are Nigeria. We never the carry last, but that one. <laughs> they carried last. <laughs> <this one. laughs> so they, they didn't did, come back. Yes, they, they drew the final game two two to South Africa and didn't qualify. Then 2017. Uh, Congratulations. Your kid and your cash are off to college. Between his tuition and your credit card balances, you don't know how you're going to pay for any of it. If only there were some place to turn. Just ask your home. Your home's got equity. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can use it to get cash quickly for whatever you need. Visit JustAskYourHome.com today. Call 1-800-863-4332 for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. In, uh, I recall, champions and didn't go out of the group stages. And, wow, only, there's only one team in this round from the last six winners. There's only one team that has gotten to the round of 16, and that is Cameroon. The rest, two didn't qualify, three exited at the group stage. Senegal, they got um, knocked out in the round of 16 by Nigeria in that 2017. They were in the same group with Ghana. And then Algeria, the, the team that they won a lot the of title in, 2019. in 2019, a lot of people had expectations for them. But in six AFCON, since winning the title in 2019, they've not won a game. In six games, they've accumulated three points considered eight goals and scored just four. That is how worse it is. And Senegal, as we've talked, spoken about them, they are on course. Looking at how they are playing and the quality of players, the decisions their coach is making, looks like it's going to be possible for them to surpass that uh, quarterfinal barrier that the defending champions have been having since 2010. All right, interesting. Thank you very much, Karim. So we'll see whether Senegal will be able to defend their title. But this is confirmation of the teams that are going to qualify uh, for the uh, round of 16. These are the, this is the ranking of the third place team. So Guinea will make it through. They've got four points. Mauritania uh, have qualified as well. Cote d'Ivoire have qualified. I can confirm that. Uh, Namibia as well have uh, 
an opportunity. Uh, Karim, thank you very much. It, uh, they say you can go. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. And you know, so that's that. Uh, I'll show you the fixtures for you. So you see why Ghana is out. You've got only two points. You have no chance of coming here. Mm -hmm. So Ghana is out completely. All right. Now, uh, with these teams in 3-3-3, three, 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 um, Mauritania for sure have qualified. They have a goal difference of plus one. Yeah. Is it plus one? No, minus one. Minus one. one. Minus one. Cote d'Ivoire have a goal difference of minus three. three, and Namibia have a goal difference of minus three as well. Now, Zambia is the only other team with a chance to qualify, so knock around. Let me show you the fixtures. Now, Zambia play against Morocco. Now, if Zambia uh, were to get a win, uh, where are they? Yeah. If Zambia were to beat Morocco, uh, it will take them to four points, I believe. They have one win. Uh, one defeat. Yeah. So it would... No, they actually have two points, isn't it? Yeah, they have two points, so they have two draws. So if they were to beat Morocco, then they would qualify. In fact, that would mean that Zambia go up to five points above Morocco. Yeah. But Morocco already have four points. So that means that... Okay, uh, I'm sorry. But, so that means that they will go... In fact, so that means now uh, Namibia yeah. will get kicked out. Yeah. And then what would happen is that Morocco would now finish here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mauritania below them, then Cote d'Ivoire, and then Namibia will be eliminated. Yeah, take the last because one. Zambia would qualify automatically. Yeah. So yeah. they would not, they would no longer need this. Yeah. So these are the games coming up. South Africa have three points themselves. Uh, Tunisia have no win. Yeah. So if Tunisia need to qualify, they need to beat South Africa. At and then they give the automatic slots. No, oh, wow. they're on the points. Yeah. Because they lost to Namibia. Yeah. They did. So they have a point. Thank yes. you. The only way they qualify is to beat South Africa. If they beat South Africa, who have three points, they're out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is some game, huh? Very tight. Quick prediction. <sighs> that, that's a tough one, you know, because South Africa themselves are not playing too well. Uh, Tunisia are very not convincing as well. Prediction, Kojo. Oh, I, I think it, it could... I say Tunisia win. I don't think South Africa have the temperament, no. Uh, I don't they, they've bottled it on too many occasions. Mm, mm, Tunisia mm. win. Yeah. Tunisia. Uh, Namibia, Mali. Mali already uh, shoot. Namibia have three points right now. Yeah. And look, a draw could be enough for them. Mm. Do you think you'll get something from this game? I, I believe so. I don't think so. Um... The, okay. way, the way Mali plays takes away a lot of liberties from opponents. All right, actually, DR Congo, quick, we have only 30 seconds. DR Congo, Tanzania. DR Congo. DR Congo win. And you get Morocco, Zambia. Definitely Morocco. Morocco win? Morocco win. Okay, so Zambia uh, getting kicked out, according to Kojo. <laughs> anyway, so that's our show for today on Afcon today. My name is Fento Tahir Fento. The show is proudly sponsored by MTN. MTN everywhere you go. We're live on Joy 99.7 FM on the Joy News channel as well as on Joy Prime TV channel. Of course, Achu and Kojo were my guest. Show produced by Sheikh Mubarak Haruna. Until next time, though, thanks for watching.
this afternoon on the marketplace, a human rights court in Accra dismisses application by Dr. Papa Kwesi Ndum and GN Bank over the revocation of the bank's license. Also coming up, Africa Center for Energy Policy describes decision to impose VAT on electricity consumers as ill-time. What we need to focus on is making sure that those who are not paying pay, uh, we are able to account uh, for the power that is generated. We have the systems to do that. And once you be able to clean up that space and be able to optimize the tariff so that it is much more uh, uh, less burdensome. And World Bank Board approves $300 million for Ghana to support some budgetary projects and stabilize the economy. Thanks for being with us. Details coming up. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Uh, a human rights court in Accra has dismissed the application of Dr. Papa Kwesi Ndum and GN Bank over the revocation of the bank's license. According to the court, the Bank of Ghana's action uh, was reasonable and not actuated by malice. Court correspondent Richard Kojinyako joins us on phone uh, with more on that. Uh, Richard, what transpired in court today? From the broader scale, and when the case was called, the court indicated that the Bank of Ghana was carrying out its lawful mandate in the interest of the shareholders and the larger interest of the public and could not be faulted. In fact, after the court declared that the applicant had the requisite capacity and had properly invoked the jurisdiction of the court, the judge proceeded to deal substantively the issues of one, discrimination raised by Dr. Papakinsidum and the GN Services and Loans. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 